What did we just watch, Amy? We just finished watching WandaVision season one, or the only season. I don't know yet. I don't know yet. Uh, yes. <laughs> so we finished watching it. It just dropped yesterday, yeah. Friday, the 5th, March 5th, 2021. So uh, if you haven't finished watching it, stop listening now because we're going to spoil the whole thing. Whole thing series. Whole thing. And there, there are definitely spoilers. Yes. So finish watching it and then yeah, come or back. Don't, or just listen to us talk about it. That's but true. you will know what happens. You will know. And these are... Just our first unrehearsed, unedited impressions, as always, on this show. Although, over the last nine weeks of watching it, we have had some conversations. Yes, yeah. it's nine weeks. We're going to talk about the about stuff we it. watch. <laughs> uh, enough to know that I think we've had the very opposite reaction to the show as... As lots of people do. Lots of people. <laughs> there are people out there who agree with us. I've read about them on the internet. There are dozens of us. Good to know. <laughs> we always had to watch it as soon as we could on Friday because Kevin couldn't be on Twitter until... Yeah, because until... well, apparently someone would watch it at 3 a.m. when it came out, our time, and then just immediately write about it on Twitter mm-hmm. over and over again. And that is that is very poor spoiler etiquette. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be fair, they didn't do it for the first couple episodes because I think we came to those... Not a week late, but like midweek after it launched. Mm-hmm. We weren't in a rush yeah. to watch them. Because um, it hadn't really blown up yet in the same way. Because I think a lot of people watched the first two episodes yeah. and were like, eh, I don't know if I'm going to watch this weird thing. What are they doing? This doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Whereas... And, then, and then everybody's like, and then it got good. Yeah. Went, wait, wait. <laughs> Question mark? Yeah, because uh, we're both pretty much of the opinion that it started amazing, or at least really good. I think it started amazing. Yes. Like I was, I was a hundred percent on board uh, for what it was doing in the first three episodes. Well, when you told me what the concept of it, I was super skeptical, and I think in the first episode, I was kind of like, "This is weird. I don't know if I can. <laughs> what is this doing? How did I describe the concept? Uh, it's." Wanda and Vision in a TV sitcom. Okay, yeah. Just, that's, that's... just plopped in a TV sitcom Yeah, of, of different eras. And that's the concept for the show, is different styles of sitcoms. Yeah. Um, but I gave it a chance, and I really liked the sitcom mm-hmm. style of it. Um, I thought they did a great job of recreating the feeling and... The acting styles of and of the sitcoms, which I think we're really pointing towards specific sitcoms, not just the era. Yeah, it, it was both. It was both. It was I, both. I think they were they would use an original, uh, you know, a particular sitcom as a template, and then pull from the trends of that genre of that era as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess we should start at the beginning with with the first two episodes, which were I believe released together. Okay. Not a week apart, but we can at least start with the first that, episode. That could be. That could be. Oh, no. Oh, no, oh, no shoot. The cat's... It's going to start. <laughs> I pulled up the episodes so we could see what they were, and Felicity just keeps walking on the remote. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they may have been... I think... I think They were close, if not. Yeah. ...to the same. I, I wonder if, before we go into that, I, I think what was also on you... Maybe, 
unusual for a lot of watchers is that you were really familiar with the story and mythology of the Scarlet Witch. And I the was. vision yes. from the comic books. Yes. Um, I'm not. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of it are, uh, viewers are split. Some mm-hmm. know the comic books and some don't. I think talking to you about it over the years, you filled me in on Scarlet Witch as all the Avengers movies mm-hmm. have come out, uh, helped me so much in doing yeah. this. And That's filled fair. in a lot of gaps for for that. Do you want to talk at all about what? Yeah, I mean, I can I can say well. So the Scarlet Witch in the comics, who is Wanda, last name is flexible. Uh, Wanda Maximoff in the Marvel Cinematic Universe um, is first and foremost a mutant, um, which do not exist in the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, because that was owned. That concept of Marvel mutants was owned by Fox Studios, which are now owned by. Disney, which we'll talk about when we get to a later episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but because Wanda was an Avenger and a mutant, she existed in both ownership piles. They could own Wanda as an Avenger, the Scarlet Witch, but not Wanda, daughter of Magneto, Magneto a mutant. Um, which was weird and led to a number of sort of one-off jokes in the X-Men movies, which also featured Wanda's brother, Quicksilver. Peter, Quicksilver, who's Peter. Peter or Pietro, depending on the universe, mm-hmm. um, who featured Quicksilver pretty heavily, who was repeatedly implied to be Magneto's kid. Um, I don't know if they specifically ever stated it outright until yeah, they, the... They, okay. Eventually they did. Okay. Um and that he has a sister and that's and that's about as far as they ever went with the wanda stuff um whereas pietro spoilers for avengers age of ultron yeah i think we're safe yeah dies in that movie um and then is kind of forgotten by the greater marvel cinematic universe Mm -hmm. like there's no lasting repercussions for that until we get to wandavision but wanda in the comics is possibly the most powerful mutant in the entire Marvel Comics universe. Her powers have fluctuated over the years, um, but basically it boils down to reality ma- manipulation. Um, she start, She was the, the core of the House of M series, which was an ongoing series that happened in the 2000s. My dates aren't great. Where she rewrote all of reality to have her children not die and also like made her family like royalty the house of m Mm. um in the world and there was a lot of like other stuff going on and it was like very parallel universe what if except it was the actual marvel universe and Mm. she just changed everything because she could um she also simply by saying no more mutants eliminated 99.9 percent of all mutants on earth just Killed them. Um, so incredibly powerful. Um, and a reality manipulation. Like being able to change the world as she sees fit. Uh, whereas Wanda in the Marvel Cinematic Universe throws red right. magic fireballs at people. And that and can f- telekinesis. Very limited, boring, in my opinion, skill set. Yeah. So that had been something we talked about over the last few years. Is mm-hmm. watching... Uh, 
the progression of the Avengers films is that they had really underwritten Wanda as a Scarlet Witch, yes. not giving her many powers. I mean, this goes also with underutilizing women in general. In the Marvel, in Marvel universe, yeah. Universe, but yeah, just making her akin to not that different from some of the other yeah. heroes being able to fly a little bit throw fireballs can lift things with her brain like that's about as complex as it ever got yeah and so we had kind of bemoaned that yeah underutilization um, which is one of the reasons i was kind of excited about this because i even before like the show had started i'd seen trailers and i'd gotten a sort of an idea of like oh maybe they're gonna do some weird reality warping stuff mm-hmm. Um, finally, and they did, and that was they good. Did. So I feel like when we saw that, we were prepped for the clues of what yes. what was happening to her. Yes, even though she wasn't quite aware. Yeah, of what was what was going on? What was happening to her? Um, yeah. So yeah, I go through the the, the, episodes, the just, episodes. Yeah. Well, so the first episode, um, I don't remember what they're called. I could look <laughs> filmed me. before uh, a live studio, studio audience. audience. Yeah. All of the episode names are like references to television. Because particularly for the first three episodes, this is a show about television. Mm-hmm. Um, this is very much steeped in the language of the medium. Which is fascinating to me considering how little like anything made by Marvel before this has been in conversation with the greater cinematic world. Right. So they had the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show, mm-hmm. which started out with uh, grandeur Yeah, it's going to be connected to that, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, so you got Coulson in the TV show, who had been a big character all, all the way up. Not a, I mean, a supporting he, character. Supporting character up until the first Avengers movie when he's killed. Yes. Um, and then he comes into the TV show. They reanimated him in some way. That's a storyline. Mm-hmm. Uh, the show was on for, what, six seasons? Seven years? Uh, yeah. This, this year was its last, 2020. Yeah. They finished it up. And very soon it split completely from what was happening in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, there was no connection. Universe. There, there was no communication there. Arguably, like, at the end of the second season, they yeah, had completely... They had stopped yeah. doing that. And that was really... Um, the only foray in TV in this, when we're talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, yeah, as starting with Iron, Iron Man. Man forward, yeah. Arguably, the Netflix series were supposed to be in that continuity, and they made a couple references to okay, that early like on. Jessica Jones and, and Daredevil Luke and Luke Cage. Cage and Iron Fist and Punisher and the Defenders. That's all of them. Um. But again, that started off being like the idea and then quickly vanished and was not ever mentioned again. And each of those shows had varying degrees of good. Yeah. (laughs) And any of the ones that were good quickly declined in the following seasons. Yeah, we we stopped watching them all. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So that, not a great connection to... And and not something that Disney is looking to bring back into the fold anytime soon with their new foray into the world of television. Mm-hmm. Um, but so filmed in front of a live studio audience is presented as if it was filmed in front of a live studio audience, a 1950s era um, sitcom. Like, mm-hmm. obviously most closely drawing from Dick Van Dyke um, and a connection that is made very 
obvious at the end of the series in episode eight. Um, and for all intents and purposes, that's all it is. Mm -hmm. The conflict of the show is Wanda and Vision, who are living a suburban life in secret. One's a witch, one's an android guy. And I don't want people to find out. And, oh, no, the boss is coming over for dinner. We totally forgot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, hijinks ensue. Everything's yeah. going wrong with the dinner. And they're trying to hide it from the boss so they look good. And this is the first kind time we start seeing Wanda's powers differently. Yes. That she can change things. So she's making the dinner, but she can, with her mind, make the chicken Yeah, she cooked. burns the chicken. The first, <laughs> the first time is really burnt. The next time... It's eggs. It's, yeah, it's eggs. So <laughs> she turns it into a basket of eggs. So, I think that's the first time we see her warp reality on the right, show. Right, it's not just telekinesis. It is It is changing mm -hmm. reality. And she's having... She's kind of having trouble controlling those powers, hence the, like, hijinks and mm -hmm. trying to hide it. And it's cute and funny and your sitcom 101 yeah. sort of situation. Uh, and I think it works really well as that. Like, I don't think it's, like, the world's best sitcom. Like, if you'd put it up a, next to something like the Dick Van Dyke, which is just so perfect, or something like I Love Lucy. I don't know that it would hold up as well as those. Oh, no. Um, but in terms of being in conversation with those and aping that style, I think they nailed it. Mm -hmm. Uh, like including a different, you know, using the, the not widescreen aspect ratio, the three by four aspect ratio. And if you came into this expecting a Marvel movie, I suspect you'd be sorely disappointed. And confused. <laughs> and confused by this very straightforward sitcom. I, I think what hooked me is just how well it mimicked yeah. what it was mimicking. Yeah. And and that I could get beyond the weirdness yeah. of putting these characters. Well I think it needed that. that that dedication to it for it to work at all. Mm -hmm. Like if it was trying to split the difference I wouldn't care about the sitcominess of it. Right. Uh, but I did. I cared about it. And I cared about Wanda and Vision and making sure their secret didn't escape. Mm -hmm. um, and there is a moment towards the end of the first episode when the boss, like, chokes on a piece of the dinner. And that is the first, like, moment where something weird's going. It's maybe the first moment. Because we get, the I think, the ad with the toaster. Yeah. happens like the fake commercial break um which was again super clever and interesting yeah. and of a time and so you get these little hints that something weird is going on mm -hmm. okay keep going that's that's the sentence you get well, a sense something weird's when he going on chokes it all of a sudden breaks out of the mode of that sitcom yes it's not the reaction that that those characters would have mm-hmm it's more realistic. Um, and I think that the kind of feeling is Vision's trying to get Wanda, or Wanda's trying to get Vision to... Um, save him. Save him. Yeah. yeah. To kind of, which would require using their powers. Yeah, which, which Vision does. He eventually dematerializes his hand and grabs the piece of steak or chicken yeah. or whatever it was. And, and then they kind of acknowledge it and jump back into the sitcom. But yes. it's a clear break. Yeah. Like something went wrong with the sitcom itself. Like, the, the format broke down for a moment. 
And I think that's also the moment when the beekeeper comes out of the... Beekeeper's not until the next episode. When does the helicopter happen? Next episode? Next episode. So I think the first episode, we get nothing. We get get nothing. We get nothing. The closest we get is like the Stark Industries toaster. (laughs) Yes, but then you get to the end credits. And I think that the end credits were very clearly something else is going on and they're not saying anything it's just the graphics with the names and everything but the way that it's um animated Mm -hmm. doesn't fit the the sitcom sitcom we just watched watched. yes it's very modern it's very it's very marvel movie colors (laughs) yeah um color blocks it's creating um the music is kind of ominous sounding Mm -hmm. um they're creating pictures with the little color yeah like a rose the house um kind of costume yeah, the wedding rings wedding rings and to me that was like the second signal too that that something's going on there's more going on yeah um and i'm not sure everyone was picking up on that in the first episode mm-hmm. from what from kind of the people that i have yeah. talked to but yeah no i watched i watched the first episode and was was hooked for the sitcom pastiche. Like, that's what got me in. I was like, this is great. This is really interesting. And so outside of what Marvel has done in the yes. MCU, MCU's have gotten really repetitive. Stale. It's the same. Yeah, it's not very exciting. It's the same. Yeah, it's... Powers. it's... And the powers have all become so powerful, mm-hmm. they don't really mean anything. Because mm-hmm. everyone's seems to be equally matched yeah and well you almost have to have that when you're doing this sort of like stuff that endgame did with these massive battles like you can't have like nuance in those almost like oh no like ant-man's here yeah thanos would just crush him and then he would be dead like that you can't have that so you have to come up with reasons and and you get sort of a, a power level balancing that when you're in your own movie you can kind of pretend doesn't exist mm-hmm. but yeah, and that was, it becomes kind of boring. It becomes kind of samey. Well, and this is so different because it's focusing on two characters. Yeah. Which we really aren't seeing much anymore in the MCU. Mm-hmm. To, um, Other than the Spider-Man movies. <laughs> which yeah, are arguably really... part of the MCU, but not really because they're owned by Sony. But the rights of all this is so ridiculous. I, that's an interesting story in it. But since we've gone in the team up, team up movies, and yeah, most of them solo. have been team up movies. Like even the solo movies have other people in them. <laughs> so the point is, this is doing something daring yeah. for Marvel. It's really pushing it. It's how it starts. Very daring, which is exciting. Yes, to see, <laughs> to see that you don't you don't get stuff like that very often. We want to move to the second episode? Yeah, well, so the second episode jumps forward aesthetically to the 60s and, and really is aping Bewitched. Yes. Um, oh, we should mention the, the amazing opening credits for both of these episodes, which oh, which very again, much tell you how what to be. Parodying. Yeah. Um, yeah, because the opening credits of the second episode were the Bewitched opening credits, but restructured as WandaVision. Yeah. And you knew immediately what it was if you'd ever seen Bewitched before. And again, the actual story of the episode, very sitcom-level stakes. There's, 
you know, Wanda wants to impress everybody at the local talent show so the the local ladies' guild will like her. Mm-hmm. And Vision's trying to get in with the... Men? The men, the neighborhood watch. Oh, yeah. And the neighborhood watch doesn't actually do much watching. They mostly just hang out and, and very, be bros. Very binary gender roles. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, something goofy goes wrong during the magic show and they have to, like hide their powers again while pretending mm-hmm. they're doing a magic show and some absolutely amazing physical comedy from both of the actors some great writing of gags like just good sitcom level gags mm-hmm. that fit like what if bewitched was about these two people um and i loved it for that yeah. and then this is where the we first really start getting some of the bigger breaks in reality because you have um, the new woman shows up in town, um, whose name I don't remember. I can't remember her character name in the town, Yeah, so I'm not going to say it. Um, but she shows up and is sort of like, I'm new here too, um, which is a little unexpected. Mm-hmm. Um, we hear a voice on the radio like calling out to Wanda, like, what's going on? Who's doing to this, this to you? Mm-hmm. And you see her, she can kind of rewind a little bit. Yeah. Well, because you see her, her like the glass breaks, and you see blood on the hand, and then she rewinds that. This is where the beekeeper shows up at the end, crawling out of the ground, I, sewer drain. Yeah, which is an odd, odd place for a beekeeper. a beekeeper. That's another clue that it's something weird's going something on. Something weird. But she going sees on. the beekeeper, and she's like, "No," and she rewinds reality and hides that. Um. And also, she finds a little toy helicopter in the bushes and it is in color and the rest of everything is in black and white and that's weird so it's a little bit of a pleasantville moment is what how it felt yeah um but still very little in the way of answers i think that might be the episode where we see or it's the next one one of the these three where at the end of the episode it like pans out to someone watching her on tv and you can see like the hands on a monitor like Mm. taking notes as you watching WandaVision on a monitor. I think that actually might have been episode one. It might have been. I think it might have come that soon. It's another clue that... Like, something's going on. something else going on. Um, Which, all of these things are definitely there, like, as breadcrumbs for what I'm going to derisively call the Marvel Cinematic Audience. Well, the people who... don't want this weird thing yes <laughs> they want, <laughs> they want assurance want that something else is going something on. that they're they're more used to seeing yeah um kevin and i are weird in our performance choices we would have been happy to watch an entire show where wanda and vision just enact different sitcoms, sitcoms from different and eras there was no larger conspiracy i would have been anything. fine with that um which is where we differ yes um, <laughs> and it's not to say that there couldn't be more something going on mm-hmm. that we were a little bit more excited about the storytelling yeah and spoilers we got we got some things we weren't so excited about <laughs> in the, the show. show went on uh well because someone uh on the internet it might have been emily vanderwerf put uh so much so many marvel movies are mostly about setting up the next Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. 
And that's how they've been for a very long time. And that was the first time I'd heard that sentiment, but it made so much sense to me. Um, and I connected that to the idea of like soap operas and soap operas have such an unbelievable forward momentum. They spend very little time in the present. They spend time moving to the next plot point, to the next big reveal. And so much of Marvel movies, I can think of like Infinity War is all about the last 10 minutes and what are they going to do in the next movie? Um, or like, oh, we introduced this new thing, so we can have that come up in the next movie. Or we introduced this, so we can have that come up in the next movie. Well, you have characters come back to life. Yeah. And that is what the Marvel movies have taught their audiences to expect. And so when you have something like this that does not seem like it is doing that, it becomes very disappointing to an audience who has been led to expect something else. Well, there's also always a clear villain. and Oh, yeah. Maybe there's some, like, conflicted heroes, but they're never really in the anti-hero zone. Yeah. They're... Well, even the most, like, complex ones, like, uh, I think Black Panther falls into this, still kind of falls down, like, by the end into, like, oh, Black Panther's got to punch a guy to save everything, which is, like, all the nuance evaporating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because there is more nuance in, in who the bad guy is and yeah. motivations. Um Whereas Thanos is just Thanos like, is bad because he wants to kill everybody or half of everybody. There's no, there's no nuance there. Yeah. So they're also expecting that kind of good guy versus bad guy, which isn't a new concept. No, nor is it a bad thing to do in your movies. But this is set up in such a way that like there is no bad guy, particularly in the first few episodes. Some people were searching too. Oh yeah. Who's the bad? Who's, who's the, the bad, bad guy? guy? Here? What's going on? You know what? Who's behind everything? And again, because of our and my knowledge of of Wanda in the comics, like I was like, oh, Wanda's behind this. Like I know that. Right, because we come with the knowledge that she, one of her powers is she can warp reality. We yeah. haven't seen it in the MCU. We had not it, in the comic books. Mm -hmm. So, so like, yeah, of course, Wanda's doing this. Like that—that yeah. that makes sense to me. Um, and I was never looking for, like, behind the curtain, like, what was really going on. Because I think the show showed you what was going on. Wanda and Vision were living a perfect sitcom life with minor complications. And that's it. And it's weird that Vision's alive. And we don't want to think about that too much. Because he definitely died. Yeah, we do remember that. I know Vision definitely died. But he's fine now. So that's cool. Let's just keep on moving. And... The show told me that, and it showed me all of those things in the first, really, three episodes in a way that I understood and believed and was was willing to go, cool, this is how Wanda is processing her grief. And that's that was all I needed. Mm -hmm. um, and, and for what it's worth, the aesthetics were great. The acting was amazing. Um, we should mention Catherine Hahn as the no noisy neighbor, yeah. Agnes. And, and showing up as a nosy neighbor in the different styles. Of yes, the and how too. that role changed as the styles changed. Like, that was all fantastic. Or, um, again, the actress's name. I am blanking on uh, Tayona Paris, who played Geraldine, was the actress, I was, was the character I was looking for, um, who we later learn more about. Like, her changing th between the different sitcoms. Or the, the neighbor... I remember with the, he had the chainsaw, he was 
trimming his bushes in the third episode. As, Roy as or Rob. you do in a yeah, sitcom. Yeah, as you do in a sitcom. You're just always there out, out there, you know, trimming your hedges. Like, seeing those change and that sort of, like, reminder, like, yeah, something weird's going on here. This isn't quite right. Um, but the the villain, as it was, was, in my mind, Wanda's grief. Like, that was the villain. <laughs> and, like, oh, cool, we're doing something interesting about the nature of grief and loss and how do you deal with that and trauma of losing the only thing you ever cared about. Well, yeah. yeah. We don't know if she's controlling real people, if she's just kind of creating an alternate yeah. reality. Um, none of that. None of that is brought up in the first three episodes really and it didn't bother me or us it didn't bother us no but we are also very much more than we've talked about comfortable in ambiguity in mm-hmm. our media we don't need answers to everything um so the third episode which i thought did a really interesting thing with the the pregnancy episode mm-hmm. um of like oh no wanda's pregnant one episode ago she yeah. finds out she's pregnant in this episode she's, she's having a baby yeah which is, again, a sort of commentary on sitcom time. and um, But we got to have like a very funny pregnancy episode, which is a staple of, at this point, we're in the 70s, the Brady, Brady Bunch era. Bunch. Uh, that one had also a stellar opening. Yes. Just oh, so, just perfect like, opening put credits. Put you in that Man, mindset. this is making me mad about the later ones that didn't have good opening credits. <laughs> like, oh, that hurts. We didn't get enough of those in my mind. Yeah, in the style of, yeah, the Brady Bunch and uh, Geraldine telling this goofy story and Wanda's labor is making her powers fluctuate. So there's like a stork pops up and things are flying around and she's trying she's to distract still Geraldine. Still trying to hide those those weird things that yeah. pop up. Um, and again, it mostly works. And then we get to the end of that episode and Geraldine mentions Pietro something that Wanda has not brought up at all because she has twins and she's like oh I was a twin and Geraldine says oh Pietro and then we cut to outside and Vision's working on something and and we come back and Geraldine's not here anymore and we don't nothing nothing's wrong everything's fine and it's that real idea that like something just happened Mm -hmm. that we didn't see that we didn't see and that probably Wanda is keeping us from seeing yes and the end of the episode, like the final thing pre-credits, is our first look at outside of the town of Westview, which involves Geraldine flying through a giant red wall and landing with lots of helicopters and big cars and people yeah. going like, what's wrong? Monica, what's wrong? The clear, like government set up when yeah. an alien has landed or yeah. something the remote and location and that's the end of the third episode and the last perfect episode of the show <laughs> in my opinion the last perfect episode of the show um, do you have any other thoughts about the third one because i didn't have a lot mm. to say other than like the credits were great again classic sitcom trope of like the birth episode the difficulties of doing that. And of course it's the first episode in color. And mm-hmm. so we get to see that very seventies like palette. The house is decor. Oh and yeah. A little, some of the structural things change mm-hmm. for the different decades. Yeah. The production design of this show is so good. It was. Um, and then even though it was happening with the later sitcoms that they were parroting, um, 
they weren't the TV show was not paying as much attention to those yes. details, so it seemed to it have became less, less good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't have equal things, uh, equal amounts of things to say on all of the episodes. No, I don't think we will. But, that, but that's those yeah, first we're just three kind of were the it. most. The focused best. on the sitcom. Yeah. And yeah, something else is going on. That could be a little interesting. Yeah. What else is going on? I can, I would. But I also, or good. I would be okay with learning a little bit about mm-hmm. it. At, I would have been okay with learning about it at the pace we were learning about it. Exactly. Exactly. But jumping into the next episode, episode four, which kind of, I think the entire episode takes place outside of Wanda's reality reality is all about sword and monica rambo mm-hmm. and the government agencies and giving some of the backstory of yeah. where we are in time how did we get here um like how is this in relationship to infinity wars and mm-hmm. um, end game yeah and it is very much more mcu standard oh yeah mcu standard and it's answering very many of the questions that were being brought up by everyone going, what's going on? Yeah. Um, she created an alternate reality, and there's a bunch of people trapped here, and she's controlling their minds, and that's bad. And she's doing it out of grief. She stole Vision's body. Yeah. Reanimated him. And created this false universe that's set up like sitcoms. Mm-hmm. And it's... It's very standard. It's yeah, and it was it was the most boring episode up to this point because there were no surprises. We got to see some good character work. So we got um, Monica Rambo is the the character who we knew as Geraldine up to this point, um, and we had Jimmy Woo played by Randall Park and Kat Dennings playing Darcy Lewis, both coming back from previous Marvel movies. I don't think. Uh, Kat Dunning's been in one since like Thor 2. Yeah. Like it was a while. Um, and those are all great people and they're very good actors and they're given very little to do. Yes. Yes. <laughs> they have pretty boring characters. Yeah. Um, which which is disappointing. <laughs> but a, Marvel's standard. critique that I've had of a lot of the last Marvel movies. Yeah. Is these are boring characters. They're actors who are doing what they can. Yeah. And we should also mention in terms of actors, um, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany nail everything about this. Yes. They're perfect from A to B to Z uh, in all of the different things that this show asks them to yeah. do. But um, they at least had characters. <laughs> and interesting characters and weird things that were happening yeah. and, and circumstances they had to, to navigate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Randall Park and Kat. Yeah, but we've seen this movie before. Like, the government shows up to some weird supernatural or science. This movie was literally Thor. Like, that was the initial premise of Thor. (laughs) And it's very, you know, the government wants to control it. You're not so sure you trust Uh all the government agents. Oh, yeah, you know that you know the guy in charge of this thing is bad guy. In in mind, he's generic villain number thirty-seven. You've just seen this movie. Yeah. Many, and, and not just in the MCU. Yeah, it, it was not new when the MCU first did it. No. <laughs> um, but that is where a lot of people really, the show took off for them. Yeah. So, so we're wrong. Well, no, we're not wrong. <laughs> I think it's important to, to know that and to honor that. And, yes. 
Um, That's when people were willing to get on board with the weirdness. Which, you know, maybe brings together two types of audience. Mm -hmm. You know, ours where we're looking for something a little more weird and interesting. And the one who is less comfortable with ambiguity. Yeah. Um, Although Uh, I think I I didn't end on a positive note for the show. (laughs) Yeah. Because I think there's middle ground here these sort of middle few episodes there is that sort of space for both to a certain extent four had no sitcominess at all we just got to re-see some of the sitcom from the first three episodes through the eyes of these characters as they see it happening yeah and then in the next episode we get back to the sitcom pastiche sort of yeah but we're spending a lot less time on it. Yeah, and with it. Seeing it, it and yeah. with it, seeing the acting and the design and mm-hmm. the pastiche of it. Because we're splitting the time seeing the outside in the quote-unquote real, real world, world <laughs> what, what is happening there. Yeah, although nothing interesting is happening in the real world. No, it's still your standard government trying to figure out mysterious Yeah event monica um, rambo something weird happened to her when she went through the portal twice but i don't think we've gotten that we got that we, we got we, we got her like her scan didn't work right they're like oh your scan was wrong we have to do it again she's like nope i'm got stuff to do um not for any of this puny health care yeah didn't need that um i think that was actually in the next episode more yeah but because yeah the fourth episode ended with her coming back out of the hex as we decided to call it or westview um so it caught us up to what had been going on outside of Monica's, outside of Wanda's reality. Um, and then it was the next episode where we were like, your scans are wrong. She's like, I don't care. And of course, those of us with that massive knowledge of the comics know like, oh, Monica Rambo, yes, she was Captain Marvel's little kid friend in Captain Marvel, but also Monica Rambo in the comics was the first female Captain Marvel. And she has this particular set of superpowers and... That are slightly more interesting than throwing fireballs and um, flying. flying and punching things good. Because um, she can manipulate electromagnetic energy and even become electromagnetic energy. And that's kind of interesting. You can do something interesting with that. Um, and so in the Marvel mode of setting up the next thing, the rest of her character development for the series is just like setting up that she has superpowers She's developing now. those powers. That's it. And and she wants to save Wanda. I think she realizes that her boss is a bad guy. And yeah. she wants to save Ron- Wanda from... Yeah. And there's, there's the potential for like this parallel discussion of grief because Monica comes back after the blip and her mother is dead and like is dealing with this trauma and this grief of basically missing her mother's death because it happened in the five years that she was gone. Right. You have the whole world is going through the trauma because either they have experienced the the five years of the blip and seen yeah. all their loved ones go away, or they've just come back and are seeing what happened and they missed yeah. all this stuff and there's so much pain like, from the people What an amazing who are left. way to introduce that through Wanda's grief about her difficult thing mm-hmm. and like have that and through re- Monica's and have that be a repercussion throughout the series and they just don't. They don't deal they with don't it. They don't do. They don't do it. They don't do it. They do it less and less each every episode. episode. We just want better. We want better for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I 
and not boring. Yeah, not the same thing I've seen over and over again. So, yeah, that was episode four. (laughs) That's when we started turning on it a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, episode five is doing, like, kind of a full house. Yeah, full house. I I got, like, shades of uh, the Michael J. Fox. That was all. It wasn't all in the family. It was Family Ties. Mainly because it was, like, a very special episode, which Mm -hmm. Family Ties did a bajillion of. They kind of got famous for that because you have... The kids, oh, they're do- they're they're ten years old now because that's how sitcom time works. Well, they also age. In, oh yeah, in, in the, the process show of the repeatedly show, in the same episode, they age, <laughs> and everybody kind of just goes with it, and it's like, oh yeah, now they're twelve, yeah. okay. Um, and they get a dog, and then the dog dies, and that's the very yes. special episode sort of feel um, of that. But the show cares a lot less about it in this episode because mm-hmm. we do spend so much time outside of Westview. Figuring out what's going on. Mm-hmm. And what's the mystery? Well, and the big review at the end of five is that Pietro oh, yeah. shows up oh, at the very Talk end. about wasted potential. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm mad about it now. I was very was, excited at the end of episode five. And they did nothing. It was bad. Nothing. I'm so mad about it. So what <laughs> happens at the end of five is her brother shows up, but he's been recast and is the actor and character from the x-men movies owned by fox now Now owned owned by by disney Disney. so there's background um that certainly would help if you were if you had seen all the x-men movies and all the mcu movies uh the character quicksilver who's the son of magneto in Mm -hmm. the x-men movies who doesn't have a sister no he does have a sister in the x-men movies we just don't you you see her like once sitting in front of a TV. Oh, okay. Like okay. at the very introduction of, of Peter as a character. So and in the MCU world he would be Wanda's brother. Pietro. Pietro, who was played by a different actor yeah. in Age of Ultron and was killed. Yes. Um, and so like that episode ends on this moment, which is a very sitcom moment of like, Hey, we're introducing a new cool character and you weren't expecting him to show up. But then there's also this meta level of like, it's Pietro, Peter, but from a different universe, like what's going on. And my head was swimming with possibilities. Like, is this going to be the opportunity that Marvel cinematic universe is going to take to integrate the Fox properties back into the MCU. Like the X-Men might show up in the yeah. MCU now. Because they can, because they're owned by the same people. Again, for movies. They were always owned by Marvel for the comics, but never mind that. Um, and that was a really interesting idea. And like, what's going on? Did Wanda bring him over? Like, it's implied that Wanda did, but she also is surprised to see him and knows that he looks different. We also know by that time, Wanda can't always control what she's doing. Yeah. She seems to be figuring things out, Mm -hmm. too. So So she could have. Maybe she brought him over accidentally and is like, oh, no, what's going on? Yeah. And does Peter know he's from a different universe? Does Does he know he looks different? A different movie franchise? And I will say I had to explain this to you. I did did catch it. Yes. You did not catch it. I didn't have. I had no idea who this guy was. Wait, wait, that's Quicksilver from the X-Men movies. You were very good at telling me that because I don't recognize people. 
<laughs> but I, I don't know what the reaction... Uh, there has to be a lot of confusion. I think knowing the background was really, really helpful yes. there. So for me to recognize that and then explain it to you. Yes. Well, I think I think that's also true if we're, if we're looking at the, the first three episodes from that perspective. Knowing a bunch about sitcoms and sitcom history enhances those episodes. In the same way, knowing the background of Peter Pietro X-Men movies enhances that moment. Or knowing Wanda's character background in the comics enhances the, the opening of the show in general. Yeah. Like th that's true of most Marvel properties though. Nowadays you cannot jump in and get everything immediately. They're balancing a constant line of, they want people to, to watch their movies, but they will also, if they haven't seen the previous movies, they still want them to see mm -hmm. whatever new ones coming out. So you got to explain some things over and over again so the new people can kind of Which catch up but it is a soap opera seen it, <laughs> there's a little bit more that you bring yeah. in with which again very much a soap opera um I, I i'm starting to think like the soap opera is like the tv format distilled to its purest form in a lot of interesting ways um because every episode of a soap opera is meant to be mostly standalone so is every week of a soap opera but you have to be able to jump in at any time and figure out what's going on. Well, we're such in a serialized yeah. moment of yes, TV. Yes, we there certainly are, are. Very few TV shows you can just jump in on a random episode and and be okay. I think the last ones were like the USA ones, like Monk and yeah. Psych, um, and yeah, the Blue Sky USA shows. You can you can watch them in any order. Yeah, and understand what's going on. Law and Order. You got that one still. Law and Order. <laughs> but yes, that, that era of TV is at an ebb um, in terms of episodic television. One more thing I loved about the first three episodes of WandaVision is that they felt very much of an episode. Like, this is a self-contained thing that, yeah, there's maybe some other stuff going on, but it's not everything. Or you think of like the X Files, which did an amazing job of balancing standalone episodes and you know the Monster of the Week episodes and the big arc episodes. Yeah, the big arc ones were always my least favorite. <laughs> I know that's controversial. Everybody has an opinion on it. Yeah, but I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> my favorites were the Monster of the Weeks. I mean, I think back to like the episodes of the X Files that I love, and they're almost always Monster of the Week episodes. Yeah. No, so you're not big, wrong. Big conspiracy. <laughs> Um, yeah, that was episode five. We're all over the place. Uh, yeah, six does a pastiche of, of Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah, and this is where the show kind of lost me. Like, mm -hmm. not the pastiche of Malcolm in the Middle, which I thought was very good. Yes. What little we got to see of it. It was very disjointed because there was so much of else going on. Yeah. Um, but we skipped a whole decade, and that made me mad. <laughs> mm. We did 50s, 60s, 70s, and Malcolm in the Middle started in like 2000. Um, and there's a whole 90s decade of sitcoms that I think we could have done stuff with, like Roseanne or um, Home Improvement with Tim Allen. Like the there There is a 90s sitcom vibe, and it's typically like stand-up comedian turning their onstage persona into a standard format. Seinfeld. Again, like all of these ones where I'm like, there's a core person here, which I think is perfect for this format of like, you've got Wanda as the main character. Like you could easily build an episode around that. And they didn't. And that made me mad. Well, because they had a certain number of episodes and a certain amount of And they of had story. to go do 
other they stuff. They kind of had to get to the end of the sitcom yeah. history. We, we yeah. got in episode seven with kind of Modern Family, mm-hmm. and we don't have sitcoms very many in in the same way in the multi-camera. Yeah. Um, well, Modern Family, Modern Family was, was a not. Cam. It was yeah. a single cam, but... Um, and it was without an audience. And that's more and more... The comedy shows today mm-hmm. are single cam, no live audience. Yeah. Um, less of a... I think of it as a theater set. Like the yeah. open box. <laughs> yeah. Open box set. Yeah, the, the standing sets where you got four sets we go back and forth. Now, I, I will point out that Modern Family ended last year, mm-hmm. um, which was single cam... Big Bang Theory, you know, this massive success of a multicam series ended a year or two ago. So we're not too far removed from that. We are not, but I think the new one, I think that the single cam non-live audience have Mm -hmm. certainly... Yeah, well, Malcolm in the Middle is one of those, too. You know, that was was a single cam. It was one of the first big single cam hits. So should we explain the difference between a single cam and a multicam? Yeah, why not? Because people are going to go, but they use multiple camera angles yeah. in all of them. <laughs> so multicam sitcom is, at its purest form, almost live theater and performed live in front of a studio audience and shot with four or more cameras doing coverage of every different aspect that you then cut together into a whole episode. So you'll have one camera who's doing wide shots, one who's focusing on camp character A, one who's focusing on character B. And the scenes are performed start to finish often more than once yeah. and then cut together in the editing room. So you can think too a little bit of like um, late night TV shows or SNL are not sitcoms. But no. they've got like that open set where mm-hmm. the audience is looking in and they're filming yeah. it from multiple There is angles. literally no fourth wall. There is yeah. no wall there um, because that's where all the cameras are. Yeah. The cameras make the wall. And that is how the majority of sitcoms, really the majority of, well, the majority of sitcoms were filmed from the birth of television up until roughly the 2000s. Mm-hmm. And there are exceptions to that. MASH was a single-cam sitcom in the 70s and is amazing. It's a wonderful show. Um, a lot of them didn't have live audience. They have yeah. laugh tracks. Yeah. Like that's not and those, those are not it. essential, but it is, there's a certain aesthetic of the multicam sitcom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you think of all the big, long-running classics. Roseanne, Home Improvement, Everybody Loves Raymond, Seinfeld. All single-cam. I think Mom might be the last one we've got. And it's ending this year. They're, they're still making them, but none of them are big. <laughs> because they're pretty cheap to make compared to a single cam mm-hmm. sitcom. Okay, so a single cam... <laughs> is shot like a movie. It's shot like a movie. And you have... You shoot it from one angle, then you set everything else up to shoot it from a different angle, mm-hmm. and cut it all together. Yeah, it's usually is... a closed like a set with the four walls like a live set like yeah. a like a real building that you're in mm-hmm. you know for example scrubs was a single camp comedy that was filmed in an actual abandoned hospital yeah. like that's where they filmed it um except and one of the floors was all of their apartments which i always thought was a fun scrubs fact <laughs> that is interesting. so one of the floors was the hospital and one was the the i don't know if it was top or bottom or which one was all of their apartments in the same building it's cool yeah neat fun fact um but 
it gives you a lot of freedom of camera movement. It feels more cinematic in a lot of ways rather than feeling like a stage play, which sitcoms in the multicam variety can often feel, which is not a bad thing. It's just a thing. Um, and Malcolm in the Middle really was one of the first hugely successful sitcoms of the modern era to push in that single cam format. Um, and I really didn't think about it until WandaVision, but Malcolm in the Middle also introduced something that was codified by Office and Modern Family later, which is the breaking the fourth wall to talk to the audience. Because mm -hmm. um, Malcolm did that all the time in the series, um, which was, again, not unheard of in sitcoms, but was this was one of the first times it's really codified it. Mm -hmm. It's happening every episode. Oh, yeah. And then you have The Office... And Modern Family both, and to a lesser extent, I would argue, uh, Parks and Rec, I think, is up there, mm -hmm. um, that moved into the true faux documentary style, which is what far too many single-cam sitcoms now use as a shortcut to telling good mm -hmm. comedy. Because yeah. it's very easy to write. Like, you do the scenario, and then you have a quip on your, sing on your talking head segment, and that's almost that's comedy. Joke. That's, that's the joke. joke. Um, it's not bad inherently, but it is it easier to write. <laughs> um, so yeah, single cams are shot not with a single camera, but they can be. So that was a very long explanation to say how we got from the sitcom <laughs> of episode five, which was the All in the Family, Full House, yes. 80s, to episode six, which is taking on Malcolm, um, in, the middle. Malcolm in the Middle pastiche. But each one has more and more government storylines story about what's going on which is the boring outside. part um episode six is where we get the most of pietro mm -hmm. in the episode and sorely sorely oh. sorely under oh, just a waste not addressed to this really cool thing that nothing. happened they pulled, pulled from happened. a different movie franchise owned by a different company and then he disappears for three episodes yeah and and He's just there, and he runs fast yeah. because that's his, his yeah. superpower. Which fits the pastiche of the show. Like, he very much fits into the Malcolm in the Middle vibe that they have going on. Yes. And does a very good job of that. Yes. But for a show that wants to spend a lot of time explaining things, spends zero time explaining Pietro or what's going on with him in any interesting way. Well, never explains that he's coming from this X-Men yeah. movie film tries. I thought even when they introduce him as an actor in the last episode with his headshot yeah that they would actually use the real actors that would be name cool that would be interesting and be like nope. nope it was a fake actor's name it was uh it was ralph it was named ralph yeah. um which we learned in the last episode in a moment that in the scene that made me go like what is any of this why why did you do this why did the creatives decide this is something they needed to do if that's how it was going to end with Ralph's storyline, with Pietro and Peter, and do nothing interesting with it whatsoever. I'm seeing where we are. Yeah, we're roughly in episode six and seven kind of blend yeah. together. Yeah. Um, not unlike the sort of glut of single can comedies of that era. Yeah, mm. I'm not sure that's trenchant or not. Uh, no. Okay. I would say not. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think you get to at the end of episode seven, which is the Modern Family one. Mm -hmm. We see that it turns out Agatha was the bad Yeah, it was Agnes, was actually Agatha Harkness. <laughs> and we get 
to be fair, the bad guy. The song was great. The song was really good. Agatha all along was catchy as heck, and it was funny, and incredibly disappointing. Uh, is is really losing me from here on out. Oh yeah, no, I'm with you in terms of like actually caring about the story or what's going on. So what turned out was the nosy neighbor Agnes in each of the sitcoms actually was a very powerful witch named Agatha Harkness, who was the villain. I'm still not clear on how she was the villain besides she wasn't she killed the dog in the very special episode she manipulated the thing so the justification is she was trying to get wanda to explain what she had done so that agnes slash agatha could steal her powers which is what she wanted to do and figure out what was happening so agatha was manipulating the sitcom world and it was implied at the end of Agatha all along that she had made it, which was also not true. Yeah. It was a fake out. It was she never just, clear how she manipulated it. She waved her. She made her purple magic do things. It didn't go back and explain. She brought in. She brought in Pietro. Like that was That's, shown. That was her. She yeah. brought Peter which, in. Nothing happened. Nothing. It's a waste. It's a waste. I'm still mad about it. I will be she mad about it forever. Called attention to say that Geraldine didn't. Um, belonged there and Geraldine was Monica Rambo who didn't realize she was Monica Rambo because when you walk through the you get mind controlled uh, yeah <laughs> um so that happened and Agatha only exists Ugh. for exposition yeah. that's it it's so boring so not interesting and some of the people I've been seeing on the internet are talking about how great Catherine Hahn is and she is she is yeah she's amazing it's not her fault this was a, this was wonderful performance she brought everything and more to it what a waste of a character not interesting in the least and led to Episode 8, which was 100% exposition. So we could see Wanda kind of where the powers come from, what her life trajectory has been yeah. up to this point. Which which mostly we already knew if mm-hmm. you had watched, if you've been keeping up with the films. Yeah, there was not anything particularly other than the fact that she did not steal Vision's body. That was an important... Um, that she created him out of whole cloth with her magic grief. It was the head government guy is really the bad guy because he's trying to make Wanda look bad. bad. Although uh, there are ethical considerations to what Wanda was doing. I still maintain Wanda's grief was the villain. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But she also didn't know what she was doing. And when she realized it, she did stop because she didn't understand her powers or how they were developing. Which is why we had to go on this journey with Agatha through Wanda's past so that Agatha could explain to her she was a Scarlet Witch and she used chaos magic. Yeah. Which are meaningless words in the context of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's that. Those are just words. Those have no additional context. We don't know why those are important. And we don't even really get to know why those are important by Mm -hmm. the end of this. Mm -hmm. Um... She did get to teach Wanda a lesson about runes, which came back in the last episode, yeah, which is mildly, right mildly there. clever um, going on. But it, yeah, it just was fine. I will say Elizabeth Olsen, again, did a great job in the episode doing the flashbacks and portraying all the different stages of grief. And I literally did not realize until around episode eight when I was reading on the internet that she's the sibling of the Olsen twins. Oh my gosh, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin! 
Dang! <laughs> I thought you would enjoy that fact oh, about me. Did you just think that they weren't related? I had no idea they were related. They look very similar. That and they shouldn't have the be the same last name. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't know the Property Brothers were twins. I know. <laughs> so you can't you can't expect that of me. No, no. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I guess she does kind of look like the Olsen twins. She looks a lot like them. <laughs> and she's their younger sister. So mm-hmm. if you didn't know, now you know. Now you know. But I, I learned that around episode eight, Aerie. <laughs> Not because of the show, but just because. Which, again, like, a better version of WandaVision could have done something really interesting with that. Right. The actor's sisters had a huge role. In in, the history of sitcoms. In the history of sitcoms. Like, you could do something interesting with... If you're going to talk about the history of sitcoms, and your main character is the younger sister of, like, an icon of sitcoms, do anything with that? Nah. No, we gotta get to the government conspiracy. (sighs) And who's the villain? Because there has to be a villain. And it's Agatha. It's Agatha. Except it wasn't really Agatha. Anything. (laughs) Except then steal Scarlet Witch's powers. Yeah. Uh, Are we on? Are we on episode nine yet? I think we are. I think we're there. Uh, Episode nine. Uh, Well, episode eight. We do get the history of. How every emotional moment in Wanda's life was punctuated by a sitcom. That we got that yeah. because we couldn't have any nuance. <laughs> we hadn't figured that before because it's not like people turn to sitcoms and comedy when they're sad and have. Yeah, that's never happened. We haven't had an entire pandemic of people rediscovering things like Schitt's Creek or mm-hmm. Friends or The Office because they need their comfort comedies. And that's never them multiple over times. and over again. That's never happened in any sort of traumatic event that needed to be explained. Yeah. <laughs> That's definitely not a common way of coping with uh, yeah. trauma and grief. No, we had to we had to have it spelled out. We had to have it like literally every important moment in her life was punctuated by a sitcom. Uh, uh, blah, uh, blah. Um, just just so so done with that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're on episode nine now. The series finale, finale called the series finale. Although we don't know. If this is a one-off. I think it was created as a one-off. I think that was originally the intent. That's often the intent. As successful as it was, I'm afraid we're going to end up with Stranger Things Season 3 here before too long. Uh, Yeah. And that's going to be disappointing. (laughs) (laughs) So is Stranger Things Season 3 for that matter. I can't see Season (laughs) 2 of WandaVision starting in, like, I don't know... The late night. Oh, give me some, give me some Gracie and Allen, you know, Burns yeah, and Allen new, uh, new sitcoms. Do straight. Give conspiracy. me a UPN nineties sitcom like that's an aesthetic. You could do so much with that. Um, or instead of doing the history of family sitcoms, do the history of workplace sitcoms. Yeah. That's a whole other genre. They're not going to do any of that because why would they? It would be amazing. Um, <laughs> no, they're getting back into their their old rut. Yeah, the last two episodes. I'm looking at the run times right now. 46 and 49 episodes, which minutes. together... Minutes. 46 yeah, minutes. 46 minutes, 49 minutes, which together is 95. That's a Marvel movie. It's a movie. The last two episodes are just a Marvel movie. I mean, to be fair, these days a Marvel movie is more like three hours. Oh, but... oh, don't remind me. Um, um, 
They were boring. They were boring to me. Yeah. Series finale, super boring. Not interesting fight scenes at all. I was like, just give her your powers, Wanda. <laughs> Let's get this over with. You, you had, I think, heard me complain roughly three episodes into this. And I've complained about it before. I hate that every Marvel movie turns into the hero versus a mirror version of themselves and they have to punch each other to victory. Mm-hmm. What did this turn into? Two of those. Vision gets a mirror bad self and Wanda gets and a mirror. And Wanda gets a mirror bad self. And they don't even fight like across like Wanda fighting fake Vision or Vision fighting the other witch. Nope. It's just witch versus witch, Vision versus Vision. Because that's the only thing Marvel movies can do. Minor exception. The Guardians of the Galaxy movies don't do that because they don't have superpowers in the traditional sense. I don't think Ragnarok. I mean, you kind of had Kate Blanchett's character. Yeah. Again, Ragnarok was one of the is is maybe the best Marvel movie. Yeah. <laughs> Probably because it didn't do that. It it did it played with. Yeah. It, it played with. The, it still the, had a big fight at the end, though. It did. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta have a big fight at the end, I guess. But not on the TV series. You don't not have to turn your TV series and sitcom pastiche into another Marvel movie. I think you do, if it's a Marvel show. I guess. It's in the contract. I guess. You sign here. And nothing got resolved with any real satisfactory way. It was just setting up the next thing. Right, so now Wanda has discovered all these grand new powers that yeah. she doesn't understand or know much about. And There's a duplicate Vision out there who's he, all white and bad. Well, no, but Vision... the the Wanda's Vision gets through to him so maybe oh, yeah. there is a version of him we got to figure um, out where that's going that could still love wanda and she could love him that's i to me that's a, yeah, a possibility that, that they've is. they've clearly set up and um just from the last tag at the end of the credits where we see wanda in an isolated cabin mm-hmm. going about her day but in the background she's like doubled herself and is reading and, the dark hold and, and yeah yeah and her oh, magic y Scarlet Witch costume. Yeah. Um, uh, which, to me, sets up, oh, yeah. okay, that yeah. next season is going to be exploring her powers. Yeah, or the next movie that she shows up in, or whatever. And we've got Monica Rambo now has superpowers, so for the next Captain Marvel movie, we can bring her in. That was a big deal. Yeah, or I thought she might get it. I mean, to me, Marvel green-lighted, like... TV shows for everyone. <laughs> this is the first they one, did. WandaVision. So I was like, maybe Monica Rambo is going to get her own. I would be okay with that. And would get our first female black superhero. superhero. Yeah. People were clamoring after episode four for a Monica Rambo, Jimmy Woo, Darcy Lewis TV show. I would be here for that. Yeah, I'd watch I it. I'd watch that. If it had good writing. But hopefully not in always the. <laughs> Government conspiracy. Yeah, bland. Uh, yeah. No, I'd watch that. They're good. Actors. Mediocre characters. Um, yeah, I wrote in my notes when I was watching the finale, this is all the least good parts of Marvel movies. It's just turned it's into just really all of str- that. It started out really strong. It's yeah, really, it started out so good, so interesting. Which feels to me like the story of the Marvel Cinematic Universe mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Because um, Marvel has a pretty 
strong history of hiring interesting creatives and then squishing them into the Marvel box. And telling you, no, you need to do this so we can set up for these future things. Yeah, and I, I think it's funny because if you go back to, really, Iron Man, that wasn't a thing. Like, Iron Man created that structure, and Iron Man was made up as they filmed it. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, what's the what was the director's name? I can't remember. Wasn't it John Favreau? Yeah, John Favreau. Thank you. Um, John Favreau has like talked in interviews about like how they didn't have a script for that movie for most of it. Wasn't it? But it was also because the studio was yeah was setting a way. lot of that yeah. But they were they were like making up significant portions of the plot as they were going along, which. To be honest, is a very John Favreau way of making a movie. He's a very sort of loose director. He writes comedies. He's you know go watch him on Chef, the, mm-hmm. the Chef Show, not the movie Chef, which he is also in, in and uh, directed. Yeah. Um, but you know he, that's that is very much his style, and so that's why Iron Man worked really well, is because the director was allowed to bring himself to that. But that then got codified as the Marvel way to make movies. And everything else has been aping that to some extent. Even when you get someone like um, Coogler? Black mm-hmm. Panther? Ryan Coogler. Ryan Coogler, thank you. I was going to say Steve Coogler, but that seemed wrong. Mm-hmm. Ryan Coogler directing Black Panther, who is trying to bring something interesting to it, but gets squished back into the Marvel box. Well, I think or... even like Joss Whedon, even though oh, yeah. we don't like Joss Whedon. No. <laughs> we know Joss Whedon's an now. asshole. <laughs> But he brought a strong point of view. Yes. And made a good film. Yeah. And that's why a lot of people hated the uh, Justice League he directed, because it felt too much like a Joss Whedon movie. Um, but yes, it had a very Joss Whedon aesthetic to it. Um, but like, I still I still get mad about the, the Edgar Wright Ant-Man that never happened. Yeah, that would have been... Which he had been, he had been trying to get Ant-Man to direct since like Shaun of the Dead, like pre-Marvel Cinematic Universe. He was like, I want to direct this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and he got the job, and then he got fired or quit creative differences because he wouldn't fall into the Marvel bucket, yep. um, which is a shame. I mean, the trick is to do the Deadpool thing that Ryan uh, Reynolds, Reynolds did, did. <laughs> where he played Deadpool in an early like Wolverine movie, and it was terrible, horrible. So bad. And then he got to do Deadpool again under yeah. the Marvel... I don't know if it was Marvel Studios. Uh, Mar- Deadpool is Fox. Deadpool is Fox. Because um, so he's technically a mutant. Deadpool <laughs> is outside of the MCU. Yes, for now. Yeah, uh, yeah. Now that they're all owned. Yeah, by Marvel them, probably so. doesn't, or Disney probably doesn't want Deadpool in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a very different tone. Yeah, um, which is why the Deadpool movies are successful, though, yeah. is because they get to be their own thing. Yes, and they are not the uh, formula. No, of the MCU. The second one wasn't as good as the first one, well, but still, he, yeah. he's also like. Anti-hero-ish. Yes, much more so than anything Marvel has ever tried to do. Um, I'm mad that apparently Wanda suffered no consequences for mind-controlling a whole town for a while. Yeah. And and everybody was, like, cool with that. Like, Monica Rambos, they just don't understand what you've given up for them. Yeah. And I feel like I have conflicted feelings because Wanda didn't really know what Mm -hmm. she was doing. Yeah. But she did hurt people. Yeah. And she just, no consequences. Because she's the good guy. Yeah. 
she didn't mean to, and she fixed it yeah, in the end. Because we can't have nuance. I don't need her to like go to jail or something, but I need I need consequences. Yeah, of some I need sort. something. Uh, but no, we didn't get that. We got a couple of loose threads for future Marvel properties instead. Mm-hmm. Um, here's a question I wrote down that I didn't look up. Like, who was the creatives on this show? Like, have yeah, they I done stuff know. before? Um, I didn't look that up or notice. Um, I mean, you have the regular Marvel. Well, yeah, Kevin Feige was the producer who is, who's the head of Marvel television studios now. Yeah. Um, so Peter Cameron is listed as the executive story editor who's worked on some stuff. Not much. Um, not anything I've ever heard of before. Carnival Row, he wrote 10 episodes of. Um, Mackenzie Dorr is an executive story editor. Wrote Lock and Key, which was the Netflix adaptation of. And wrote the fine, wrote some for the Mindy Project. Um, director Matt Shankman wrote some episodes, or directed some episodes of uh, Game of Thrones. Episode of the, yeah, these are all just like these very much feel like um, creatives that are, um, for lack of a better term, like the workhorses of the TV industry, which is not a bad thing. But they're the folks who who show up to do their job. They're not not that they don't want to be necessarily um, the visionary showrunners like your Joss Whedon's or your uh, Shonda Rhimes sort of like showrunners. This is very much created by committee <laughs> and they got to do something interesting at the beginning and then it all fell apart well and i'm sure uh it was a top-down approach oh yeah marvel said you need to do but we have these things. plot points we need to set up for the next thing so you have to make sure we get to that you have to have a big action sequence at the end uh and set up some new storylines to For explore the next one. Yeah. later on. Yeah. Things, rather than kind of complete this one. Yep. It's a complete thought. Um, disappointing. Yeah. Was... I was, I was, like, I'm not mad that I watched it. No, it was just such a weird emotional arc from, well, this is really weird, but kind of kind of like it it's really outside the box i mean how are they going to get away with doing this kind of thing for nine episodes to oh, I just oh sat that's and, how <laughs> sat down to watch another avengers movie yeah hmm. i didn't want to watch another avengers movie yeah. uh so it also doesn't mean that i won't give the other marvel, marvel shows, shows yeah i mean falcon we'll winter soldier i'll watch the loki show i'm kind of interested in I'm actually interested in the What If series they announced, which is based on the classic Marvel What If comic series, where they're just like, what if a whole different universe happened, and here's a goofy thing. What if Thor was a frog? It's actually not true. Thor was a frog in the comics, in the canon comics. That wasn't a What If story. <laughs> that actually happened. Comics get weird. Yeah. Thor was a frog for a while. Um yeah, I yeah yeah, I just 
I, I a little bit feel like Charlie Brown with the football when it comes to Marvel properties. Mm, get your hopes up. Every time I'm like, oh, maybe this will be the one they're going to do something interesting. And then the answer is usually, nah. I, I mean, I would be interested. I feel like peripherally I, I've gotten a sense of what other people have have thought, but I would like to know more of how other people experienced the show. And... Yeah. I've, I've been reading some reviews and things like that. And a lot of, you know, the TV critics are very much in a, I think alignment with us mm-hmm. um, where like, Hey, the sitcom stuff at the beginning was really good. And then it kind of just became another Marvel show by the end. Yeah, but cr- critics often have the problem of not catching the consensus of the viewers. Oh yeah. And I no. think that that. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think a lot of the stuff problem. I've heard people talking about it have, have enjoyed like in the social media sphere, the last few episodes significantly. That, that's more. why I think you have to honor the people who, yeah. Really got into it when the government conspiracy stuff mm-hmm. came out to and figure out what it is about those storylines that are so appealing mm-hmm. to them. So then maybe the next time you can stick with it, but do it better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I would agree with that. And I, and I don't, yeah, I, I do get a little bombastic sometimes, but you can enjoy things however you want. Well, you know, we're not the arbiters of taste. Um, we like lots of things people don't like. Mm-hmm. And we don't like people, things people like. That's just us. Yeah. That's okay. That's just opinions. Um, but I... I wish the Marvel Cinematic Universe was not made by a giant mega corporation. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like so many of the decisions are always bottom by line driven by a committee. And it's just disappointing. Um, I'm thinking about like we watched Fast Color not too long ago which was a fascinating superhero, superhero movie, movie. Um, and this had the opportunity to be a fascinating superhero thing and then didn't and that was sad, was sad. I'm disappointed mm-hmm. I'm not mad I'm just disappointed mm. <laughs> classic sitcom dad classic sitcom dad do you have anything else you need to say, Amy? We've broken an hour by far. We have, but we didn't go nine hours. We didn't go nine hours. So. For the also, okay, we got to talk about the episode length. That's that's a thing I want to mention. Oh, going from 30 minutes to 50 <sighs> minutes. All TV uneven. shows should be 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure all TV shows should be. Like, yeah, streaming, your TV episodes can be as long as they need to be. They rarely need to be 59 minutes long. <laughs> Uh, well, but 40, the, the for, longer yeah. episodes of this We're are in TV, yeah. TV drama yes. length. Yes, they are. Um, but, like, even the second episode was 36 minutes long, which you could have squeezed. You could have squeezed that. Yeah, it's hard to edit and and follow kind of less is more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in in all in all art forms in all art forms <laughs> that, that's, that's hard i think i think it's a lot more obvious as it goes longer into the 50 minutes 60 minutes yeah space. it just starts dragging um then you really see where scenes took a little bit too long they should have edited a little tighter here and there yeah one last thing i'm mad about with pietro slash peter slash ralph um, they had him show up at the end of the eighth episode or seventh episode with a stinger, like the first post-credit stinger of the whole series where he's like, Snooper's gonna snoop to Monica. And then like nothing interesting came of that. I don't even remember that. It was, well, it was in the, I remembered it because it was in the previously on segment so they could explain why Monica was in his attic oh, with him oh, later yeah. on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and like none of that 
mattered or meant anything. And she got out because she tore his necklace off. Because she could see the electromagnetic electromagnetic energy of it. I guess witch magic is electromagnetic. Sure, sure. I mean, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has always been very afraid of magic. Yeah, Uh, which is why I was uh, was surprised we got Agatha the Witch and then her divine... um, I always assumed the Scarlet Witch character wasn't actually mag- magic but a mutant yeah which is we is is not it's not magic <laughs> um whereas the marvel comics do have magic like they have explicitly magical things that happen and that's fine it's goofy but so is everything else about the marvel comics so yeah so i'm just i'm still mad about ralph aka pietro peter whatever they just just wasted like honestly i just don't know why they even cast him just that one moment when she opens the door and you're like what she recast peter and he's from the x-men yeah but he's not from the x-men he's just an actor (laughs) he's just a guy who lived in westview not even the actor who played him in x-men i'm so mad it was just such a bad choice I, yeah, uh, if you're not if you haven't seen the X Men films, just Google the scenes with Quicksilver. Yeah, that's they, all you they are some of the the best scenes in, mm-hmm. in those X Men films. Is, yeah, are the Quicksilver yeah. slow mo action? They're very good. <sighs> Anyways, I think that's uh, it yeah, for one division. Time to talk about our Patreon. Yeah, well, tell us about the Patreon. We got a Patreon where you can support us, and you can you can give us money for every episode we make because that's how Patreon works. You can give us as little as a dollar or as much as literally there's no cap. But don't give us more than like, I don't know, $20. That seems <laughs> that seems excessive. Um, but you can also cap your monthly payments if you don't want to give us more than a certain number of dollars per month. We totally get it. Uh, we have a pseudo release schedule and that we often record on Saturdays. But sometimes we record two episodes in a week. Sometimes we don't record an episode in a week. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's why we use a per episode payment basis. Of course, the podcast will always be free, as podcasts are meant to be. You can drop it in your favorite RSS reader. Um, we'd appreciate it if you liked us on social... On your podcast On your podcast catchers. catchers. Thank you. It's like, like us on social media, but we don't, have a, we don't have a Twitter account or a Facebook page for this. We don't do that for these. Um, you get perks. You get exactly two perks. You get to see the list of movies we didn't watch. If there was a list of movies we didn't watch, which there is not for this podcast. No. We didn't pick from a list for this. We just watched WandaVision and then decided to talk about it because we were going to talk about it anyway. Uh, and you get secret double unedited audio from the episodes. From the moment the mic turns on to the moment the mic turns off. Why do you want that? I don't know. I don't know why you want that. Um, the show's barely edited as it is, but you get it extra unedited. You're so good at selling this, Kevin. <laughs> We're going to have to talk about this self-deprecation. So, but no, but part of that is also like, I want you to give us money on the Patreon if you want to support the podcast as it is. That's what the patronage method really means to me. So That's why I've talked before about the perks have always seemed kind of weird. Yeah. To Um, me, and a lot of extra work on the parts of the the artists. Oh, yeah, they absolutely are. And so I, so we don't have a lot of perks. Support us if you feel like supporting us because you want the podcast to continue. Uh, we appreciate any donations at all. Um, it does really big make a difference. But so does telling your friends about the podcast. That makes a huge difference. So does leaving us reviews. That makes a big difference. 
even just listening to us is supporting us. So we appreciate you. Yes, you. Frank. Oh, I'm just guessing. <laughs> <laughs> if your name's Frank, you're probably like, whoa. Um, but yeah, uh, we have a Patreon. You can go to 5degreesbetween.us to go to our website. But our Patreon is at patreon.com slash 5degrees. We do appreciate any and all support um, helping us keep the podcast free for absolutely everybody. I'm sorry I was too self-deprecating. <laughs> it's so easy. It is. It, it is, is so easy. You should go watch uh, Nanette again and talk about self-deprecating humor and how yeah. it's harmful. Uh, yeah, we should just watch Nanette again. We should just watch Nanette again. <laughs> talk about great media. Go watch Nanette, folks. Yeah, go watch Nanette. Skip WandaVision, watch Nanette. That's our, our podcast. <laughs> Sort of, it's also sort of about grief. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And trauma. And trauma, yeah. Huh. Huh. What an interesting pair. Yeah, go watch Danette. Say goodnight, Amy. <laughs> Good night, Amy.